What's the party? Gear body. <laughs> I, I went like a little like church music there and you went very. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's our 100th episode. How weird. It's so weird. So strange. What? This is so real. strange. This is all a simulation and none of it's real. So Sabrina, you and I have written research papers 100 times on paranormal topics because that's essentially what it is. Yes. A 2,000 word research Also, <laughs> we've talked for over, over, probably like almost 150 hours about these things, if not more. Probably more. Well, the, the encounters, oh my God. If we count the encounters, we're definitely way over 100, but that's so many regular hours episodes. of our voices. I know. Do Are people done? Guys, let us know when you're done. No, don't, no, don't be done. <laughs> Don't be done. This is exciting. This is a new <laughs> moment in our lives. We're going to launch off from here even further. My goodness. That's a lot of our voices. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's funny. That's creepy. One of my coworkers was like, I really should start listening to your podcast and be a good friend. And I was like, uh, you don't have to. Like, if you're going to, you're like, please don't listen to the beginning ones. Just start later. I will never listen to them. They make me so self-conscious to think about just the audio quality and my nervous laughter why was it so awkward for us to talk to each other it was normal but just with microphones and suddenly we were completely different people i think it's we totally affected it's totally like it there's this weird psychological thing where you put a microphone or you put a camera in front of people and they act differently it's so weird Ooh, we should do psychological examinations of everyone's first podcast that's a great idea for a podcast I guess at 100, we've decided to now do a different podcast. All right. <laughs> so you all came here for ghost stories, but now we're going to take a look at some of our favorite podcasts. And examine who they are as people and what <laughs> putting in a camera and a microphone in front of them does to who they are. It really does. It, you know, it does affect you. It does. It, like anything, it takes them getting used to. It does. I still don't think I'm used to it. I think I'm used to recording with you. Right. Like I don't get nervous before the recordings. No, I don't. I, I get nervous when we record in person, though. I feel like that is such a Me different too. experience. I like it's just because it's awkward. I can look in your eyes in a screen, mm -hmm. but in person, I'm like, stop looking at me. <laughs> You're making too much eye contact. Too much. No, but this is so cool. Like 100. Holy crap. That's insane. On August 14th. Of mm -hmm. 2017, you and I sat down and said, we're going to start this thing because we just want to have fun and talk to each other and no mm -hmm. one will listen to this. So there's no pressure. And yeah. now people listen. And, and there's now still no we pressure. a hundred. <laughs> I really, cool. I don't know what I thought, but I really didn't think we were going to make it to like, I don't know. 10? I don't know. I thought maybe, I don't know, it was just a fun hobby. We're going to do it for a few months. Yeah. And then it became so much fun, we just kept doing it. And now we freak out at the idea of not being able to do it. Yes. Yes, we do. I also love that we get to celebrate 100, and then we get to celebrate our two-year anniversary kind of within a few weeks of each other. I know. Hell and then special. our birthdays. And so much birthdays. to celebrate. Wow, we really planned this well. I'm going to get you four presents, one for our 100 episode, one for our two-year anniversary, one for your birthday, and one for my birthday. All right. Well, I didn't know we were doing presents, so now i got to think about some stuff. <laughs> I haven't actually gotten you anything. <laughs> we don't have to do presents. I already have my Halloween present picked out for you. Ooh, Voldemort costume. Because <laughs> How did you guess it? No. <laughs> I feel like why celebrate Christmas when we should just celebrate Halloween? 
with gifts. Why can't you gift during Halloween? Well, technically you do. You give candy. That's gifts. No, but I want to give you other things. You can. There are no <laughs> rules. I don't want to be confined to just candy. Okay, you don't have to. Plus, I don't like candy. Well, good thing I didn't. I'm not getting you candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I still can't get over 100. I like it snuck up on us, too. Like, I feel like I was like, people were like, how many episodes do you have? And I was like, almost 100. And I was like, wait, that's a lot. That's a big number. I guess I never really thought about like the regular episode being 100. Because when people ask me how many episodes, I'm like, I don't know, like 150 or something. Because I think about the encounters. Right, right. So I don't really know when we actually truly hit 100 separate recordings. So I didn't really think about. Yeah, but I feel like they're they're different, you know? They're not. I know they're of the same podcast because it has their name on it. Oh, episode 42 was our 100th released episode. That's what? How many do we have released? Jeez. We have 157? <laughs> what is wrong with the world that we can record our voices that many times? That many times. Wow, I can't speak. And then people listen to it. It's a weird like time capsule if you think about it. It's kind of, I always said, I'm not a diary person. I don't like mm -hmm. doing diaries because I don't want to look back and be embarrassed because I have issues with shame. But... <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of a diary, if I think about it. 100%. We've talked about We talk stuff. a lot about our personal lives. Yeah. People come for the ghosts, and then they just have to suffer through all the other stuff we throw at them. I was talking to Freya uh, last night, and she was like, I just feel like I listen to the podcast, and I'm like, yes, Sabrina, yes. And I was like, because I was saying, I was like, we really need to get dinner, like, I miss you. And she was like, I feel like I talk to you all the time. <laughs> that does happen. I've noticed since our podcast has started that my communication mm -hmm. with some of our closest friends has, it's been a lot of me reaching out to them and them being like, oh, oh, I forgot we don't talk. Oh, I already knew that right. about you when I try to share things. <laughs> well, that being said, I feel like even our listeners know so much about our lives and who we are. And we know a lot about cool. like, everyone else because of the Facebook yeah, group this and emails. What's your favorite episode we did? My favorite episode. I was thinking about this the other day, and I feel like I have a few. I have a few top episodes. Okay. Wow. You you came prepared. Well, I was just. I don't know. That, I, that's what I was thinking about in my alone time. I think um, episode twelve, Dominus, which a lot of people have referenced. Yes, of course. That one was one of my favorites, just because I feel like you and I were both so genuinely scared. And I slept mm -hmm. with the light. I didn't sleep. I had the lights on. That was like the one time we recorded and I was there. Well, not the one time. There were a few times that I was just so affected by what we read. And then yeah. I also really liked Black Eyed Kids and also Glitch in the Matrix. Yes. And Skinwalkers. That one was good. Hiking. The Hiking Buddies. Mm -hmm. I also really liked, I know this was like the most painful po uh, episode for us to record because we had to record it like six times, but the one about the Hollywood stars, lights, camera, whatever it was called. Oh, yeah. You know, I was going through our Excel sheet because that's mm -hmm. where Sabrina and I track our, what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And I was going through it the other day and I was like, oh, that sounds so interesting. Oh, I wonder what that's about. I need to listen to our podcast because I forget half of what we've covered <laughs> and even for this episode i had written i was like two or three pages in to my research and i kept being like this sounds so familiar this sounds so familiar and then finally i realized mm -hmm. we did it and like we already <laughs> did it so i had to change <laughs> yeah thank goodness we have that record also i'd have to correct myself because 
I realized that it wasn't episode 42. It's episode 70 that was our 100th episode. It's just our iTunes are numbered backwards rather than far. Well, guys, so feel free to let us know what your favorite topic is or favorite episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and tell us what you want to hear. Oh, UFOs. I like the alien one too. Sorry. Oh, obviously. Oh my God. Wait, this is okay. Speaking of time capsule, I love this idea because if for any reason the world ends and Martians come to visit, our podcast can be the way that they understand the world. I can have my goal and dream of like interacting with aliens through this podcast. Sabrina, what if we need oh my to God. change up Corinne. some of the topics we cover? If we're their <laughs> gateway to learning about this world, all they're going to know is the color of your nipples is the perfect shade for your lipstick, <laughs> and that you love Harry Potter and everything about Harry Potter <laughs> and cats. And cats. No, okay, but there are also so many podcasts. But I have okay, but that is a good point. But you know, we are going to buy a satellite right now, and we're going to start sending our episodes through the satellite just out to the universe to hope someone catches them. Aliens will because aliens are freaking real. And they know that ghosts are real because they get it. Yeah, because they're smarter than everyone. They know what's up and they know what's happening and they're not close-minded because you want to know what's close-minded is thinking that they're we're the only ones in the world, in all <laughs> of the universe. And we're not. And it was all over the news. Remember? The Navy posted all yes. of it. I love that this turned from a celebration to a, like, a talking down to people. who. But everyone who listens already knows that ghosts are real. <laughs> or likes ghost stories. So it's like, they're not the people we have to be telling this to. Yeah, I went on a date the other day and the guy really doesn't believe in ghosts. I did not bring up the podcast. I don't even know how it came up. I think I maybe mentioned Beetlejuice and then, like, one other thing. And he goes, wow, you really like ghosts and that stuff don't you i was like all right hater what the heck rude see you on the other side yeah uh you won't because he won't be on the other side because there he doesn't believe in it so he'll be downside downside i don't that didn't make (laughs) i was trying to think of what i meant (laughs) my hair up again (laughs) nick just came in like took a photo of me that was weird i have paparazzi in my own home nick knows we're at 100 episodes and he just he's like it's a star. I need to take photos. 100. Lady Gaga, <laughs> Sabrina. I am wearing a nice fur blanket. You are. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm cold. I don't even think we even introduced our podcast at all. That's okay. Whatever. I figure at 100, you... But it's 100. We have to whisper two girls, one ghost. I don't know what you want from me, Sabrina. Like, say, like, say it right now. Okay, this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. Yay. We're here. And I'm Corinne, and that's Sabrina. Oh, yeah. See, it's episode 100, and it all falls to shit. (laughs) Here we go. We must have been taken over by some demons, because... Uh, maybe. This episode is... We're going to go off of episode 12. We did Dominus then, and we've done a few um, sequels, if you will, to Dominus. So this could be considered Dominus Part 4. Part 4 more possession there's a lot of possessions in this world and so we're just gonna keep talking about it until we're possessed ourselves please don't possess me no one possess me i am taking that back i don't want to be possessed no who does who would say please please Please. you know what i'm not even gonna speak the words i don't want it out there i don't know why but we love this topic so much it's so interesting and fascinating and scary and fun to talk about because it's horrifying to think that those things could happen to someone and all of the people that surround like this isn't just one thing that happens to one person 
forest and in the woods and they're like, wow, this was so scary and I'm coming out with this wild tale. This is something that happens to someone and it's so devastating and damaging over long periods of time. And then it all of the witnesses, the family members, the church, right. the neighbors, who all of the medicine and spiritual healers that become involved. It's wild. And it can happen to anyone. Like, I feel like that's like, I like to think I'm protected from it, but that all these people think they're protected from it. And it just happens. It just happens. So hold your crystals close and hold your pets a little closer. Uh, Leia, come here. She's sleeping. How bad of her. All right. Doesn't she know I need her protection? I have nothing to protect me. So we're in you this together. I got you. Thanks. Um, okay. You're going first. So, in 1965, in Jabuchkabal, Brazil, they were terrorized by a poltergeist. And the target of this poltergeist, it was an 11-year-old girl named Maria Jose Ferreira. And this case uh. has been investigated and it's been looked into for many years, and it appears to be a legitimate case of poltergeist activity. So, the first... The family first started to notice that something was off when stones and bricks began to fall, or rather, these stones and bricks were being thrown inside of the family's house. And these stones and bricks just somehow appeared out of thin air. The stones were hitting items in the home, and they were destroying their property and crushing anything that they hit. And the Ferreira family was like, okay, well, this kind of escalated quickly we've definitely got a problem here and the stones often entered through windows and through doors but also sometimes they would just appear out of nowhere so the Whoa. family began to investigate what was going on and to their horror they had to rule out an attacker or like a human assailant and they mm -hmm. recognized that what was going on was some serious paranormal activity isn't that crazy that the horrifying part is that you rule out a human yeah it would be like easier for a human you just catch the human Right. It's right. so much easier Ugh. to protect yourself against what is what we can physically see. That's why all there are so many scary movies about think about like the fog right. and the mist and like all of those. It's just stuff you can't see. Right. Which is why I'm like frustrated that people like don't believe in paranormal like I get that like statistically I'm sure humans cause more damage to people than ghosts do, but like the fact that there are all these stories and evidence of demonic entities, dark spirits actually physically harming people and like people don't believe it makes me so angry maybe it's because as soon as you admit that that stuff is real the world becomes a much scarier place okay so the ferrera family said that the activity only got worse and worse it was just the bricks and stones were no longer just falling onto artifacts in the home they were actually being thrown at the family members and hitting them Jeez. and they were literally being pelted with these super dangerous items and i'm just like imagining the family i don't know the setup of their home but i'm just imagining them like turning a corner and suddenly a brick just being hurled at them which is absolutely yeah. terrifying oh once it got to this level which i'm like how did you even let it get to this level where it's if there were stones flying around my house i'd be calling someone right away but yeah but if you're afraid and like don't want to admit to i things, guess you're like, like maybe like this is all that's gonna happen it's fine Right. And then like also the idea of like, you know, I feel like with working out, you do this. It's a weird comparison. But like, you know, like, oh, I'll start tomorrow or it will stop tomorrow. Like, yeah, you know, this is like it will end. True. And then you just. True, true, true. But the family waited and they waited until it got until this paranormal activity turned violent. And the family called a local priest in their town to come investigate and begged him to come over and exercise the home. 
So he goes over and he listens to the family as they tell him what's been happening to them. And while he's there listening to the family, the priest witnesses bricks hitting the house and plates moving around on their own. So this seems... That's crazy. Yeah, it's an extremely intense case. And not only that, but the priest also heard these strange noises coming from nowhere and everywhere. And he couldn't quite make out what exactly it was or where it was coming from. But he knew one thing was for sure that this place was freaking damn haunted and they needed an exorcism stat. The family was relieved that this would soon be over, except it wasn't over because the exorcism did not work. Mm. Instead, this exorcism only made the poltergeist in the home more mad and it began to get even more aggressive. And instead of throwing stones and bricks, it began picking up eight pound rocks and flinging these eight pound deadly weapons at the family members what and it was also throwing plates it would throw like food and eggs and whatever it could get its hands on especially furniture and the larger and heavier and more harmful the item was the more likely the poltergeist was to pick it oh my gosh and while at first the entire Ferrer family was experiencing the attacks eventually maria the youngest daughter she began to be singled out and she was a tiny she was 11 years old she was a tiny little girl. and Oh, my gosh. I'm sure – I was thinking, like, why is she the chosen one? But it's, we've talked about it so many times where, you know, younger people can be targeted because children are more susceptible and maybe are more likely to show fear and have fear. And the poltergeist, I'm sure, was like, oh, well, I can provoke and evoke the most amount of fear out of her and create the most pain if I go after her. So I'll be energized mm-hmm. from that. So she's my target. Oh, so sad. I know. And that's exactly what it did. Maria would be attacked out of nowhere in her home and she would be slapped by an unseen force. She would have deep scratches that would appear on her skin and she would have so many bruises all over her body as well as markings that appeared to be bite marks. What? I know. I wish I could see a picture of them because I do wonder what the bite marks look like. Does it look like an animal? Does it look like a human? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, like, are they fangs or are they... Yeah, what? Oh, I don't want to know, actually. (laughs) But the worst thing, in my opinion, that happened to her is what happened to her ankle. Her ankle was really, really hurting, and so her family took her to the doctor. And under careful examination, they found over 50 needles lodged into her ankle and she had to undergo surgery to remove them and neither her family nor maria ever knew exactly how these were inserted into her ankle real needles where did the needles come from all up in her ankle 50 of them lodged underneath her skin and her ankle crazy and she went to the hospital so that's documented and she wasn't even safe at home like she couldn't be like she She was afraid to sleep and the poltergeist would attack her at all hours and she had no reprieve and the family had nowhere to go. Or at least that's the assumption that I'm making because I can't imagine staying if you had somewhere else to go, if you had another option. And as Maria slept, the poltergeist would try to kill her. It would try to suffocate her by putting a cup over her face. This I can't get over this. This is horrible. Yeah. A bit sad because it did remind me a lot of uh, An American Haunting, that movie. And just kind of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, after hearing all of this, I was like, this, I mean, it does have many similarities maybe to an extreme case of an abuse covered up as a ghost story. So like a real life American Mm -hmm. haunting. But there are some other things that suggest that maybe, maybe it was actually truly a demonic possession. You know what's sad is that like my mind didn't even go to the fact that it could be abuse because to me, to wrap my mind around the logic of someone 
doing that to their own, doing that to anyone, like a real mm-hmm. human doing that to anyone is so like, on, on, it's incomprehensible to me. So like, it's so upsetting. It's so much easier for me to understand a demonic entity because they're, they are demonic entities. Right. They're meant to cause pain and suffering and to have yeah. no sort of, I don't know, empathy or sympathy right. for anyone. So things start happening to Maria outside of the home. Things start happening in public at school and in front of other children and in front of teachers. And the poltergeist would follow her there and she would just be sitting in school eating her lunch or like walking down the hall when suddenly her clothes would start to smolder and flames would appear. So it was like, what? This poltergeist was both trying to suffocate Maria at home in her bed and also burn her at school. Is it trying to possess her too? Because like that doesn't, they don't make sense. I know. It's almost, it wasn't really much of a possession case as much as it was just like absolutely tormenting her. Aren't horrible. And the poltergeist was very, very powerful and it was very terrifying. And Maria's family was finally like, holy shit, this has not gotten better since the exorcism that the priest did. This is a demonic presence. It is trying to kill our daughter. We need to have some sort of intervention. We need to call a psychic medium to come to the house and see what can happen. So they call wow. this man. His name is, I'm going to butcher it, Jalvop. And he was a local dentist and a spiritualist. And when he entered the home, he realized that this was, and no surprise to us now knowing what I've already told you, mm-hmm. He realized that this was a very powerful and angry poltergeist. And this poltergeist was not there to terrorize the family, but rather it had some pent-up frustration for one particular family member, who was Maria. And he thought that Maria was in tune with the spirit world and that she was a natural medium. And because of her abilities and not knowing how to control the nature of them, Mm -hmm. the environment around her became very wild and all of these, you know, negative energy and spirits could just find themselves around her. No problem. Oh, I hate that. That's why having any abilities sounds terrifying. It does. Things like that could happen. You have to, there's so much protection needed, so much knowledge needed. So he was like, she can make contact with spirits. And Maria even told Volp that uh, she had many invisible friends that were super kind to her. Many of them were. And that if she asked for treats or if she asked for candy, the treats would suddenly appear at her feet. What? That's cool. Spirits around me. I would like cookie dough. Yeah, that's a great spirit to have around. So great. Okay. Now, here's another iffy decision that I was like, oh, I really don't like this. So Volp, the spiritualist, then Mm -hmm. asked Maria's family if he could take Maria out of the setting of her own home and of her family because he wanted to study her and see what would happen. She was 11. She's 11. She's an 11-year-old girl. So her family agrees, and Maria goes and stays with Volp. And within the first few days, nothing really happens, and he's starting to think that maybe it was just the stress of the home that had been affecting Maria and bringing on all of this activity. But pretty soon, rocks began to hit his home, and there were loud rapping noises coming from nowhere and everywhere all at once again. Mm. And large stones would actually come in through the window and doors and hit people that were in his space, you know, there to help study or whatever. And Mm. he and other adults witnessed this. And then one night... Maria's clothes caught on fire, setting his room on fire and severely burning Volp. Why was Maria sleeping in bed with this strange older man? Yeah, this is all reminding me of Leaving Neverland. I don't like it. The Michael Jackson documentary. It's, yeah, there's many parts of the story where I'm like, this is super upsetting and this sounds like something that's not, (sighs) I don't know. Yeah, it seems like abuse of a young girl. 
Yes, it does. So there are plenty of awful things that have happened um, that might make people think that it might be one thing. But then there's also plenty of evidence as well that points to it being a poltergeist. Mm -hmm. And Volpe realized that this poltergeist was too strong and outside of his ability to handle. So he immediately referred Maria and Maria's family to another medium. Mm -hmm. Ooh, did you hear the thunder? No, I wish. That's so cool. What a great time to record. And this medium was more experienced and powerful in his abilities. His name was Chico Xavier of the Chico Xavier Spiritualist Center in Uberaba, Brazil. Mm. Xavier had Maria come to his center and he first attempted to make contact with the entity as soon as Maria was there. So he entered into this trance and he called out for the entity to communicate with him. And he asked why the spirit had been so violent towards this young 11-year-old child. Right. Chico Xavier got an answer. This spirit, the poltergeist, had some serious beef with Maria in a past life. And it was continuing to hold a grudge and take it out on Maria. And the spirit said that the spirit had been murdered by Maria in a past life when she had been an evil witch and she had used black magic. And through the black magic, Maria killed a bunch of people. So Maria wasn't being haunted by just one spirit. She was actually being haunted by many spirits, all acting out against her, all building each other up and trying to get payback for what was done to them. Well, now I need to know who she was in a past life. I know. And the spirits had to follow her as well because apparently there was a curse put on Maria and part of the curse included her torment from the souls whose lives she took through black magic. So it was Mm -hmm. a bit of like... They were kind of like forced to be around her and also their own desire to be like, you took my life. You they were they weren't trying to act out on 11 year old Maria. They were trying to her past life. Yes. They were looking at her soul, I guess. But Maria didn't remember her past life at all. And she was just 11 years old in her new life and being viciously attacked by something that she couldn't remember, couldn't see. And for the reason of doing something that she didn't remember and something she would never think to do in her present life. Right. And something like she had no choice of in her life. Yes. So Xavier then asks all of these spirits to leave her alone and that this wasn't fair. That He prayed and he prayed for countless hours and he tried to reason with the spirits. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh, I think it's all resolved. Things seem good. They seem good. You seem good. I think you can return to your family's home. You can leave the center. So she left. And then a few days later, Maria was found dead in her bedroom. Oh, I was I was just going to ask if we've ever heard from Maria's perspective. And now I'm really... The cause mm-hmm. of her death could be considered to be paranormal, though it's been ruled as a suicide. Apparently, uh, it's believed that she herself, Maria, at 11 years old, put pesticides in her soda to poison herself. And that is what... Whoa led to her death and as soon as maria passed away at just 11 years old all of the paranormal activity in her house and around her family stopped but this i'm not convinced that she did it to her that she put the pesticides in the drink because it does remind me a lot it's very reminiscent of um the bell witch story where john bell who lived in adams tennessee and was Mm -hmm. completely tormented along with his family by the bell witch poltergeist uh, was eventually killed and had been poisoned. And this poltergeist poltergeist spoke out loud, claiming to have poisoned John herself. Right. So it does make me awfully suspicious. Right. And I mean, either way it happened, it's horrible. And I like, because I could also see a version where she did do it because she had been so tormented. 
And she had also just spent all of this time away from her family as well at 11 years old. Right. Like she had first gone to that spiritualist's home. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she had gone to this spiritualist center to then be right. treated there as well. Ugh, it's a fan. It's so sad. It's such a depressing story. I probably should have thought about that. Well, it also makes me worried because like if that were – if we're going by the, the story that it's like these – spirits attacking her from like a past life does that mean they'll continue to do it through all of this young girls or the spirits life like every reincarnation oh my gosh oh i hate to think that right and like at what point do you stop and, at and what why point- didn't they why didn't they squash the beef when she first passed over because she in her previous life had supposedly been a dark magic user dark magic mm-hmm. witch and she had killed all these people through dark magic so why why then would these spirits who passed on before her not when they're on the same playing ground in wherever you mm-hmm. go in between lives if we assume reincarnation is real right. that why wouldn't they say anything then why wait right. until she's in the body of a little girl and why wait until she's 11 years old right and also are they ever going to get reincarnated like like, it just, it brings up so many questions. Are they just so revengeful that they're just stuck there and they're going to continue being vengeful? Well, there was supposed to be a curse that included that these souls would torment her. And I wonder what the curse entailed, because maybe that's why. Maybe it was like, in her 11th year of her following life, all of the souls, blah, 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 blah. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't right. know how those things work, but maybe it was a curse that had then captured both the souls that had been taken at the hands of maria in a previous life and also maria in her present life maybe it was like something about the timing i also wonder if like because of the black magic she she um practiced maybe she like did something where their souls can never move on Mm -hmm. like i think of liz sauer's book claire oh yeah my gosh i love that story no hate this story hate this story sorry No, I mean, it's, it is fascinating because in a horrible way, this, the idea of like how powerful spirits can be and how awful they can be to humans and the, the, the impact they can have. Yeah. Are you okay? I was just looking out the window because it's so noisy because it's pouring rain. Oh, we like pouring rain. I love rain and thunder. It rained and thundered yesterday too. And I was in heaven. I want to teleport to Boston just to have that weather. The th- okay, the thunder in Boston. So I grew up in Vermont and the thunder there wasn't that bad. It was loud, but it wasn't that bad. Oh my gosh, I don't know what it is, but the thunder in Boston is so loud. Like it's, it literally, it, I can't even describe it. It sounds like you're wearing a helmet and someone just like bangs a pop and <laughs> screams inside of the helmet. It wakes you up. It's so loud. It's like the wow. world is ending. It's probably Whoa. worse. My dad grew up in the like mountains of... Um, rural New Hampshire in Maine and he said between the mountains like near the mountain range it gets really 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 loud but I mm-hmm. love loud thunder me too it's poor relaxing. animals don't but I know yesterday there was a, a poor dog must have been home alone he was barking like crazy yeah that's sad okay I'm really excited because this is one that I've wanted to talk about for a very very long time but I never knew when to put it in and also I feel like it's something that everyone kind of knows but mm-hmm I was like, you know what? Screw it. This is the perfect time to do it. And I'm really excited. episode 100. Do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. This is our podcast. And so, yeah. (laughs) And no one else's. 
it's, it's ours and then for the aliens don't care whoever else listens and then I'm also kidding. if you are a patreon donor there are certain tiers where you yourself get to pick the topic yes but also i want everyone to listen this is for everyone this is it's a good story so enjoy it okay this is a story of a possession not of a person but of a thing specifically of a doll this is the story of annabelle annabelle you made it sound so positive annabelle it's a sitcom where a doll hangs out with her friends she's got ed warren and lorraine warren and they're in the conjuring and part one and two the doll might kill you but it's funny ha ha annabelle (laughs) all right i'm gonna write that show uh okay so it's 1970 and there's this young woman her name is donna and she's about to graduate from college with a nursing degree and her mother was so proud of her she was like donna's worked her ass off i am going to get her i need to get her the perfect gift like what do you get your daughter who's graduating nursing school who has her life seemingly most of the most of the time put together what do you get her and so she goes on this little shopping trip and she stops in all these different stores. She sho- she stops in like hobby stores, antique shops. And in the midst of it, she finds a doll. And she and she wouldn't have seen it. It's kind of like on the shelf to her left and she's walking along and something in her makes her like turn and see it and she's like immediately upon seeing it, seeing it, she was like this is the gift for my daughter. So she purchased the doll and wrapped it up and went to her daughter's graduation and gave it to Donna. And apparently Donna loved it. Didn't think it was creepy in the way that I would probably think it's creepy. She loved the doll so much that she put it on the middle of her bed. Just like, you know, the nice little like front of her pillows and put, gave it a nice spot. And oh, it's yeah. a Raggedy Ann doll. I'm sure everyone's familiar. I've an old always Raggedy thought Raggedy Ann dolls were creepy. I told yeah. you that my, my parents gave me one when I was young and it had my name stitched into its stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah nope well it's something about them like their oversized head like stringy hair and like the like very painted face the like big smile and it's like kind of white and like i don't know it's nightmare inducing i just want to know what era did children say oh this is great i love this well i feel like even today dolls some of them are because the lifelike dolls are scary too yeah that's true. I think dolls in general are scary, but when you're a child, you think they're like a baby that you can take care of. And oh like, my God. There's- if anyone wants a really good scare, just go on YouTube and type in all the like um, videos of dolls coming to life or dolls moving on their own. Ooh, no, nope. I've done a nope. deep dive into those compilations, and it's horrifying. I'm pretty sure my sister, as a young girl, used to be used to get nightmares about being in the middle of the woods and walking into a house that was just covered wall, floor to ceiling with dolls. With dolls. Maybe that was her premonition that you in the future would do an episode on Doll Island. Probably, because that's the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Donna puts this Raggedy Ann doll on her bed and admires her like oh she's so cute i love this thank you mom and donna lives with her friend angie they're like good friends they got along great and um you know angie was a great friend because she did not think it was weird that her mom gave her a doll for her graduation gift and that donna then put it on her bed that is a good friend (laughs) and so every night when donna went to bed she'd remove the doll from the spot on the bed and then every morning donna would remake the bed and place it all back in its spot and everything's normal. Right, right, right. No, wrong. Because Donna and Angie start to notice something weird about the doll. Weird as in the doll 
seem to move around the house on its own. It's it's probably just our own mind. So they like would move it around and like, I mean, it's a very disproportionate doll. The head's massive. The body's kind of like normal. And so like it, it would make sense if it moved positions. Like if they put it sitting up and then it would fall or be in a different position. It was so slight, right? Yeah, you know, you can walk by it and just some wind blows or something or maybe you unintentionally put a little pressure on the bed and it shifted how it's But what happens when the doll physically moves places from one spot in the room to another? Well, then you got yourself a possessed artifact. (laughs) That is a that is a commentary effect from our uh, specialist Corinne. She <laughs> is visiting us from Omaha. I don't know. Where are you from? <laughs> from my check me out on my history channel show. Haunted artifacts. You had a I real twang. Where am I from? I don't know. It was great. That was like the perfect voice for that though. <laughs> but also, okay, wouldn't it be fun? Okay, creepy but fun. If you like bought a doll and you had a bunch of roommates like this is something like in college i think would be funny if we if you like bought a doll and then you would hide it in creepy places for people to find and then you make it a game and like whoever finds it gets to hide it again okay but how do you know when the game stops being the game and actually the doll's just possessed because you wouldn't trust each other everyone would be like no you're just doing this to scare me someone's lying you wouldn't know it would take away right well that's the best thing for the doll then Sabrina, I don't like your game. <laughs> well, we're not actually going to play it, and we don't live together, so you wouldn't have to play it with me. <laughs> Scary. Poor Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would not do it. Don't worry. Leia, but Leia has, like, all these little cat toys that she likes to, like, She they're, like, little mini cats, and she'll carry them around in her mouth like they're her babies, and then, like, we'll find them in different places in the apartment. So sometimes she'll bring it to the front of the door and, like, leave it at the door. And then she'll be sitting there waiting for us with the, her pet cat. Or she'll carry it to our, our bed and, like, lay on our bed with it. Cute. She just likes to carry it around. <sighs> this is why we need to get another cat. Um, <laughs> okay. But so this doll, this Raggedy Ann doll, starts to move. It starts to cross its own legs or appear to be standing on its own. And Donna and Angie are like, this is weird. Dolls don't do that. And they, like, try mm-hmm. to make it stand on its own and, like, it physically couldn't. And then one day Donna – or, like, it's just started happening where Donna would leave for work and she'd leave the doll on her bed and then she'd come home and it'd be in a completely different spot in the house, like, outside of her bedroom. And another time she, like, to test it out, she left the doll out on the couch in the living room, left for work, came home, and the doll was in her bedroom on the bed with the door shut. It happened over and over, and her and Angie tried to test it. They both watched Donna put it on the couch in the morning, and they both came home to see it in Donna's bedroom. And if that weren't scary enough, one day they came home and they found messages on pieces of paper written seemingly by a young child. Oh, my gosh. And they said, help us. Or there was another one that said, help Lou. Who's Lou? Who the heck is Lou? And us, plural? Yeah. Like, what is I don't know. And there are a lot of creepy things about the notes, but the f- first one is that the, the one, the fact that they were actually written. The second, that it looked like a young child wrote them. And the third, that Donna and neither Donna or Angie had that type of piece of paper, like that kind of paper anywhere in their apartment. So where did it come from? Where did it come from? Ew. Can you imagine being the neighbor and hearing like a little knock on your door? And some scratching and then you open it and there's just a doll being like do you have any spare paper 
<laughs> well, you make her voice sound so normal. I imagine it. <laughs> do you have any spare paper? Oh and I hold a knife to him. On a, what would you do in that scenario? Jump out my window as I long as it's two I can't say floors. that I wouldn't be extremely aggressive. I right. think well, I can picture would. myself, if it's a raggedy and all, you know, right. ripping it up until it's just stuffing. <laughs> but then you release the entity. <sighs> I don't know. So then one night, Donna comes home, and there she is on her bed, but something is weird about it. On the doll, there looks to be some weird red liquid. So she gets closer, and she notices that on the hand and the chest of the doll, there is what looks to be blood. Oh. And she was freaked out. And for a while, her and Angie were like, okay, this is absolutely weird, but like, what do we do? Like, maybe we're going crazy. Like, we can't tell people about this. But then after this experience, they were like, oh my God, like something is, we need to call a medium. Mm -hmm. And so the medium comes over. And the medium holds a seance. And she was telling Angie and Donna, she's like, yeah, something is haunting your place, but let's communicate with the spirit and see what they want. So during the seance, the medium contacts the spirit and the spirit says that she is the young girl named Annabelle Higgins. And Annabelle tells the spirit that she used to live on this land during the happy times before all these buildings were built. And she explained that the happy times were very short because she died when she was only seven. And according to Annabelle, oh she didn't know how she died, only that her lifeless body was found in the field. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. And so Annabelle continues to tell the medium that she loved Donna and Angie, and she liked being with them, and that they were her friends, and she really wanted to be with them. She loved them. And so the medium relays these messages to Donna and Angie, who are like, moved by it and they're like this poor girl like oh so sad their hearts are like aching for her they feel bad for her and they're like who are we to tell a little girl who lost her life so young and loves us that she can't be with us and so the medium suggested that the girls allow annabelle to stay to invite her to use the doll as a vessel to stay no and so no i literally wrote I wrote, no, 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 in all caps on my... (laughs) No, 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 no! But so, Donna and Angie vocally, vocally said, Annabelle, we invite you to stay. We invite you to use this Raggedy Ann doll to, as a vessel. Amateur hour. And I feel like I don't need to go on, but like, I, it's crazy. Like, how, why? We all know what's going to happen. And you just wish, in in scenarios like this, you just wish that there was someone yelling like, that doll is evil. What are you doing? You're crazy. This is stupid. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was Mm -hmm. a me right now for them then, but there was actually. Remember that note that said, help Lou? Well, yes. Lou is the one person who told Donna and Angie not to fuck with the doll. <gasps> but Lou, although he was a great friend to Donna and Angie, he he unfortunately faced the wrath of this entity because from the second he saw that doll, he told them that they, there was something wrong with it. And he told oh them on gosh. many, many occasions, he said, you guys need to get rid of it. It's not going to bring anything good to you. Like, I'm getting weird vibes from this. And Dan- And Donna was just like, oh my God, you're being ridiculous. Like, this doll is adorable. And then... Lou kept persisting. He was like, I'm serious. You need to get rid of her. And soon after Annabelle was invited into the doll, like after Donna and Angie invited Annabelle into the doll, Lou started having these nightmares. And one night he had what he thought was a nightmare in which he like woke up in his dream and he was paralyzed. And 
he could only move his eyes. And so he was like searching the room, trying to find out what was going on. And he felt like he was, he felt like someone else was in the room. He was not alone. And so he's searching to his right, up to the ceiling, to like around the room. And he gets to the front of his bed. And there by his foot is Annabelle the doll. (laughs) And this little doll starts climbing up his leg. Quickly, he has no time to think, and next thing he knows, Annabelle is on his chest, and she wraps her hands, little tiny doll hands, around Lou's neck and begins to suffocate him. What do you think is scarier? Slowly crawling up someone's body or quickly crawling up? If you're paralyzed, slowly. You think? Yeah, because it, the quick the quick one, like, it just happened so fast. Like, you almost don't have time to think about it. But if it's slow, like, you're watching every second of it. And you're like, I need to stop being paralyzed. I, like, need to be able to do something. That's There's true. There's more time to think, which is, I think, scary. So she's choking him. And Lou blacks out. And he's back into sleep. So he, the, he, he, uh, to his understanding, this was all a nightmare. But when he wakes up the next morning, he's like, what the hell happened? And he then started to think this was real. He has marks on his neck and he's like, that was real. I know it was. What do I do? That doll is haunted. It is after me. It's going to harm Donna and Angie. And so he goes to Donna and again, like tells her like, please get rid of this doll. She still doesn't because To her understanding, this is like a beautiful, sweet little girl. And a few days later, Lou was over at Donna and Angie's apartment and hanging out with Angie. Donna wasn't home. It was just Lou and Angie, and they were planning a road trip, and they were going over a bunch of maps. And then all of a sudden, something weird happened. Like, they were, like, chatting, and they were sitting there. And, like, you know how there's background noise. There are birds chirping. There's noise in other apartments. All of that ceased to exist. It went silent. Oh, Quiet. They both look at each other and like, that's weird, right? And then a sound comes from Donna's room and it sounds like someone's breaking in. So Lou tells Angie to stay where she is. He's going to go check it out. And he opens Donna's bedroom door, waits for the, and, and like the noise has stopped and he opens the door and everything's normal aside from Annabelle the doll is on the floor in the corner as if she was tossed there. But he's like, that's weird. And it, no one's in the room. So Lou's like, okay, it's nothing. And he turns his back and starts to head to the door. And immediately as he turns, he realizes and feels like someone is standing right behind him. Oh, He no, spins no. around and screams because in the second that he spun around, he was struck with horrible pain in his chest. No one is there. Literally, he, he's, by him, he's by himself. No one's behind him. But he starts screaming because he's struck with horrible pain in his chest. It was so sharp and painful that it caused him to literally double over and fall to the ground. And so Angie runs in and she's screaming. She's like, what's going on? And then she notices blood coming out of Lou's shirt. Red blood staining his shirt. He was bleeding out of his chest. And so he lifts up his shirt and sees seven distinct claw marks. There were three of them going vertically and four going horizontally. And they burned oh my gosh. badly. Like he, it, like that was the pain. It wasn't about like being scratched. It was like the pain of the burning. You know what I'm so curious about is if there was a note that said, help Lou, do you think that there were multiple spirits inside of know. this? Or do you think that there was another spirit in the home that just scribbled out these notes being like, you need to I help? I don't know. Lou, because he's being targeted by this new doll that you let live in our home. Yeah, I wonder who wrote the notes. I feel like it could have also been like, is it the the spirit being like, help him stop like questioning me kind of thing of like, if you don't make him stop, I'll hurt him. But like, it's a backwards thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Scary. 
some unanswered questions with this. Yeah. That's new. And so he's like freaked the F out, obviously. So is Angie. And when Donna comes home, she's like, oh, shit. Okay, maybe you're right. And they're like, okay, so this doll's possessed, haunted. But what now? What do we do? And so they reached out to a priest. Donna contacted Father Hagen, who is an Episcopal priest. And she explained their situation. And he was like, I am not equipped to handle this. And so he contacted Father Cook, who is actually closer, who worked well, worked alongside Ed and Lorraine Warren. And he heard the story and contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren. And you know, a case is terrifying and horrible when the, when the Warrens take interest immediately. And that's what they did. Yep. And cue the thunder crack. I hope it gets up in the background of this. That'd be great. I know. Me too. It's pretty loud. And usually Ed and Lorraine Warren, like, and they still did for this case. They go in and they try to prove it's something other than paranormal. Like, they don't just go in and be like, okay, this is paranormal. They do all the, they do their, their due diligence in terms of making sure it's, it is. But this one, they right away upon walking in, upon hearing all the stories are like, this is, this is 100% something paranormal. And they spoke with Donna, Angie, and Lou, and they explained that a spirit cannot quite possess an inanimate object. What was occurring here was a spirit manipulating an inanimate object, the doll, in an effort to then possess a human body. Like the doll was just a temporary vessel. And the, and the, the Ed, why do I say the Lorraines? Ed and Lorraine Warren were both like, it's a really good thing you called us now because if you had waited an extra month or two, one of you would have been possessed, if not dead. Ooh. <gasps> oh, and I have some questions about the idea that it can't fully possess an inanimate object because, as you know, I'm sure people know, like, the doll itself is now locked up in a box. And so if it can't physically possess an inanimate object, why would keeping a, it in the box keep it in there if it's not actually in the doll? I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me because there are plenty of haunted dolls and haunted artifacts that if you put them in a case, oftentimes things will happen. Things will move inside right. that case. But also then I feel like just because it's in a case doesn't keep it in the case there have been plenty of we've covered them before where even inside of a case sometimes well there are stories there are instances where the spirit has definitely left so i just have questions about like how do you okay well anyway i'll finish telling the story and then we'll get to it but so donna was like but why would this young girl and the the seven-year-old who lived on the land want to possess them she's like this is just a young girl like that doesn't make sense to which I imagine Lorraine said, oh, honey, that's not a little girl. That is a demonic no entity. No way. But, like, it's <laughs> crazy that this demonic entity, like, which we know they do this, that they're so highly intelligent that they'd make up this whole story to, like, con you into thinking that they're innocent and sweet and that, like, it pulls at your heartstrings a little bit to get you to, to take care of them mm-hmm. and then invite them into you, into your home. Yep. And, and – Ed and Lorraine were like just so upset that this medium gave them the advice to invite this doll or invite this spirit into this doll yeah. and everything. I know. It's as if this medium had no idea or had never heard of demons right. and possession cases and what could happen if you invite the wrong thing in. Yeah. It's all just like – and it also just blows my mind that how smart that they – how smart d- demons are and like it's just like all a plan and it all falls right into place for them. I also mm-hmm. they're very I wonder if the, manipulative and they know I feel like they pick their target 100% they know what they're doing with intention I also wonder if the medium because the medium was getting the message right and she just was relaying it to Donna and Angie like was there something else that the medium was getting or like was she being manipulated in a way that we will we'll never know 
Or was she being threatened with her life? And they say, if you don't say exactly this, we're coming after you, Miss Medium. Or was she, because she's a medium and she was like opening up to communication, was she temporarily taken over by the spirit and like channeled the demon itself? So many horrifying things. So everything's falling into place. And Donna and Angie had been spoon feeding this demon. And so if it weren't for Lou, the Warrens were like, yeah, one of you guys would have been possessed or dead. And so Ed and Lorraine are like, okay, we need to rid the apartment of this demonic entity because it's not the doll that's possessed. It's like this land, this property, and like, we'll keep the doll in here, et cetera. But like, if we get the apartment exercised, then the doll will be clear. The home will be clear. You guys Mm -hmm. will be safe. And so they ask Father Cook to perform the exorcism blessing. And there's like this seven page ritual that focuses on the power of God, which is like, it's like, it's meant to exercise homes. But it's the interesting thing about it is it's all about positivity and power of God and less about expelling evil, which to me seems a little interesting. Like, I don't know how, and even Father Cook was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And guess what? It didn't. Yeah. But the Warrens, they were like, okay, great. The ritual worked. Like, the ritual's done. It worked. And Donna and Andrew are like, I don't want that doll. Like, please, like, get, take that doll. And so Ed is like, okay, like, well, we'll take the doll. But I'm, I'm sure it worked. Father Cook knows what he's doing. And so Ed and Lorraine get in their car. The doll is in the back seat, and they're driving home. And they have a series of car trouble. Their car stalled. It swerved. They would have no control over their gas, their brakes, their speed. The brakes failed multiple times, and it kept nearly colliding with other cars. And Ed and Lorraine are, like, panicked, obviously. And it's, like, clearly the doll that's sitting in the backseat. So Ed reaches for holy water, and he pours it in his hand and repeatedly does the sign of the cross over the doll, which which seemed to, like, creepily smile back at him because that's what Raggedy Ann dolls do. And finally, the chaos in the car settled. Like, the holy water apparently seemed to work. And Ed and Lorraine Warren made it home safely. And they were so relieved to be at home that they didn't really think much about the demonic entity in the doll. And Ed placed the doll on a chair next to his desk and they both went on with their life. But they kept noticing the doll was levitating in the chair. Casually. That is so not normal. (laughs) So not normal. And then it turned into moving to different locations and it began showing up in all different rooms. And they once even left the house for a weekend and they locked the doll in this one specific room. And when they came home, the doll was sitting in Ed's easy chair next to the front door. So it was literally like waiting for them to come home. Ew. How did they not? Honestly, people like that, like Ed and Lorraine Warren and just the couple that owns the traveling museum of the occult and just Zach Bagans and all of those people that keep these haunted artifacts around them and in their own personal home and in their own personal space and they right. don't freak out when this stuff happens it blows my right. mind that they're just like it's oh man crazy. look some activity it blows my mind blows my mind and so the warrens are like okay this is clearly the exorcism didn't work and it's clearly still attached to this doll and um it began acting out more and more so like this priest came by once and the priest his name is father jason bradford visited and he told the doll he was basically like you are just a doll you are not allowed to hurt anyone and he basically was like trying to like belittle the spirit but like in a like a religious way like trying to like cleanse the doll and the spirit Mm -hmm. and on his way home his brakes failed in the middle of a busy intersection and he was in a horrible near fatal car accident and then things kept getting worse in the warren's home and they were like we need to do something but no matter where we put her where we lock her up she ends up moving like she gets out she moves and it's like no matter how much they tried to exercise the demon it kept persisting and like nothing worked so the warrens took to building something that the spirit what they believe would keep the spirit inside and it was a wooden case 
which the stain of the wood has holy water in it. There are three crosses representing the Holy Trinity on it. And the Lord's Prayer and Michael's Prayer are both inscribed on the wood. And then they put her in there. And it now reads a warning. It's still in there. It says, positively do not open. But like, like I said before, like how does, I don't know if it actually works because there was one time this couple came to visit the museum and Ed was giving this brief history of the doll and explaining the power the entity has. And this boyfriend is like, oh, okay, this is bogus. And he goes, he goes up to the glass and starts banging on it and goes, if you can scratch people, then scratch me. And he starts taunting the doll and the entity. And he's like laughing as he did it. And Ed is just like, enough. I've had enough of you out. So he politely, very politely kicks him and his girlfriend out of the museum. And the boyfriend keeps like laughing, like, oh my God, you're crazy. Like, can't believe you believe this stuff. Like, none of this is real. And so he and his girlfriend mount their motorcycle and they take off and they're on the ride home. They start laughing even more. Like as they're riding on the motorcycle, they're like having a good laugh, like about the doll. Like that was ridiculous, right? And all of a sudden they lost control of the motorcycle and he went straight into a tree dying upon impact. And the girlfriend was, although did not die, was in horrible critical condition and like was put into an induced, a medical induced coma or coma for, for a while. She ended up surviving and like she, she even says like she swears that the accident had to do with that doll and that the doll was the devil. I mean, yeah, the doll was like, oh. You want me to scratch you? Right. That's all. I'll show you how powerful I am. Right, which is- I don't have to stay in this box. So all this just blows my mind because it's like, well, the doll was in the case then and the entity clearly got out, but like- I know. I don't know how that works because oftentimes many of them are in cases and sometimes you hear of things happening within the case, like movement or sound or scratches, but other times you hear of things happening just like in the whole building or two people that are obviously outside of the case. I just don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I believe that all that holy water and everything would help keep it inside, but it's not. And then also, why isn't, like, is the entity like coming back to the doll? Because like things happen in the museum, but then if it wants to possess someone, wouldn't it want to leave or does it like the attention? And then it just stays in there because it likes the attention. I'm literally in my mind, I'm like, who do we know that could possibly give us an answer? God? Maybe someone on our Facebook. God? <laughs> Are you there, God? I have a question. Did you read that book? Are you there, God? Mm-hmm. It's me, Margaret. Mm-hmm. So good. It's so so good. good. But that's Annabelle the Doll, and she has inspired many movies. One that actually just came out called Annabelle Comes Home. I have not seen any of the Annabelle Doll movies because I'm too scared. But there's um, – if you don't want to do a movie, you can also visit the real doll. And, well, actually, right now it's under construction or, like, there's a zoning issue, so they're trying to move the museum. But – Wow, to be one of those construction workers or just anyone who would have to go in and survey mm-hmm. that area, nope. I'd be like, oh, no. Nope. And also the fact that, like, because it's technically closed right now and no one's like able to go in, the idea that like these haunted objects are just like wreaking havoc by themselves. Yeah, coming to life. Yeah. But so the museum is, they're planning to move locations. So, like, hopefully, eventually you can go. But if you want, there's an, an evening with Annabelle. And there's like this lecture, you can read the case files, you can see the doll, and there's like a big banquet dinner, but it's like $170 a person. So if you like spending money to visit a demon, do your thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's in uh, Connecticut. And um, when the museum... Oh, that's close. It's close. It's close to you. I don't know, Sabrina, I might do something that's not No, typically... you will not. Corinne. I don't know. Episode 100 is... I don't know who is... I am anymore. It's episode 100. It's changed you. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't go. Please don't go. Well, it's closed. So right now you can't. Anyway. But they, they say that like when it is open, there's a priest there that's like before you go in who blesses you with holy water and like says a prayer over you before you go in. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Good. See, that makes me feel even better about it. Okay. So coming from the girl who like actually has lots of interactions with the paranormal world. <laughs> I'm not going to go. And is scared of everything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm unpredictable. Clearly. <laughs> I'm not going to go alone. I probably won't go at all. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking myself in circles. Yeah. But wow. Holy crap. I didn't know all of the details behind that story. And it's yeah. so scary. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's very scary. I would. And it's. I like want to like banish. I don't have any dolls. Oh, actually, I do. I have this one doll that Nick thinks is so creepy. But it was like my doll when I was a baby, and it's like this like baby with a. I should. I'll take a picture of it and show you. Okay. <laughs> I don't like use it. It's just like in yeah. my apartment. Right. Well, I mean, it's like I have Mr. Piggy. He looks over my childhood bedroom while I'm not there to ward off any spirits to try to take up residency in my room. I have Bear. He's my teddy bear. Yeah, there we go. Didn't, isn't Bear like possessed though? No, that's the other bear. That was the bear. This bear that I have is like, he, I've had him since I was a baby. And then the bear that gave me nightmares and was possessed was a bear that I got when I was probably like 10 or 11 from Costco. And it's like a the very like regular white fuzzy teddy bear. And it's so scary. I'm pretty sure he gone. I don't know where, he but gone. he gone. Also, what's scary is that the Raggedy Ann doll Annabelle is oversized. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, when you look at pictures of it too online, I'm like, oh, like people carrying it out in, it, in its glass case. Right. It's not like this tiny little like, oh, just hold it over your little arm and mm-hmm. hang out as a little child. Like this thing is had just as big as some kids right and i actually think the raggedy ann is way creepier than the doll that they made for the movies oh i know they should have kept the raggedy ann yeah. i wonder if it was why they didn't oh i wonder if like legally they couldn't use a doll. yeah a trademarked or something yeah. that would make that's sense. what i had assumed because yeah the raggedy ann 100 percent. it's so much scarier so much scarier Ugh. Ugh. Man, I've told this story before, but remember when my mom texted me asking if I still had my old Raggedy Ann doll because she wanted to scare my brother yes. after he watched The Conjuring? <laughs> He's having a sleepover with his friends in the basement. And she was like, where's the doll? Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure I got rid of that haunted ass doll a long time ago, mom. Yeah, which is very smart of you. Well, or maybe. Yes. I don't know. What do you do with it? You know, I don't know what I did. I probably put it to goodwill. <laughs> Sorry so. to some stranger. Whoops. All right. Our favorite part. Our favorite part. Ghostly experiences you've had. This is called, my friend got possessed by a demon and I became an exorcist at age 15. What? This is from Jane. Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. I love your podcast. I'm currently binging it like crazy. And I had a story I wanted to share with you guys. When I was 15, I had the most outrageous, unbelievable paranormal thing happen to me. My best friend got possessed by a demon and I became a teenage exorcist for eight months. What? I promise on my life that everything in this account is 100% true, and I'm not fucking with you. I've never told my boyfriend or current best friend this, as they are both very practical people and would think I was insane, so I just want to get it out. I wrote down the date after it happened so I would never forget. This took place around midnight on September 24th, 2012 in Florida. My friend Hannah, I've changed her name, was raised in one of the most abusive homes I've ever seen. Her parents also lied about how old she was her entire life. So when she thought she was about to turn 18 and could finally move out, her parents said, psych, you're actually only 17. Basically, her house was a very negative place and she was very vulnerable. 
We were both spiritually curious teenagers and started getting into Wicca. After spending a lovely day at the beach going to a spiritual shop and buying some sage, some crystals, and some other hippie stuff, we went back to her place for a sleepover. I had just discovered that I could talk to spirits by candlelight if I turned off all of the AC in the house, turned off all of the fans, and closed any airflow. I put a little candle in the middle of the room, and I sat about a foot away, and I would watch it completely still for a while to determine no air was affecting it. Then, start to ask spirits questions. But being a dumbass teenager, I was the same way about the spiritual world as I was with sex. I had no concept of protection. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) We turn off all the lights, light a candle, and sit down and start asking the spirits questions. We addressed our questions to anything around. As we're doing this, I look up to see she's staring at something behind me. And I turned around. Do you see it too? Yes. Mm -hmm. An orb. Right over the vent? Yes. What color is it? Orange with a black ring around it. We both saw the exact same thing at the same location. We stared at it for a bit until it popped out of my eyesight. I don't see it anymore. I do, she (laughs) said. I was like, whatever, let's get back to this candle thing. So I turned back around facing her and the candle. And after a couple seconds, I see the orb appear again, except this time it was coming over to her. I see it floating over and then pass over her third eye and then pop, it disappears and her head drops. (gasps) Her facial expression completely changed into something smug and sinister. She had this wide, evil smile. It was looking at me and saying nonsensical, fucked up things like, she's doing this, she's doing this to me, and laughing manically. The laugh was not her laugh. The voice was completely different from hers, and I knew something was wrong immediately. Hannah, what's wrong? It just laughed at me and spoke in more riddles, and I don't remember what it said. It was also the last time... It used her to speak. And I got up and I turned on her bedroom light and could see clearly now that it was not my friend. The posture, the voice, the face were wrong. It's so hard to explain if you're not there watching it happen. I always thought that if I saw a ghost or something creepy, I would be scared. But I wasn't. I was fucking pissed. With a surge of adrenaline and my teenage bravado, I walked towards it. You are not Hannah. It laughed. Like... (laughs) As if to say, duh, genius. Get out. Get out of her right now. I got close to it and I looked it in the eyes. And with righteous anger, I said strongly, I am not afraid of you. Get out. Those words were magic. She collapsed into a puddle on the ground and started bawling. That's when I learned just how much demons feed on fear. Uh. I picked her up and I hugged her and I asked her what had happened, what she felt. But she couldn't speak. She kept crying hysterically. I pulled her up from the ground and put her in a chair, and I was so relieved. Thing was gone, and I had my friend back. Can I get you anything? Some water? I asked. Still crying, she shook her head, and then she said in a meek voice, I want my crystal, referring to the new crystal we had just bought that day. It was thumb-sized and had a pointed edge, and I turned away from her, sighed deeply, and started cleaning up from the ritual gone wrong. That was until I heard her crying. Stop! And it got quiet. Way too quiet. And I turned back around and she's fucking possessed again. It is smiling a wide, maniacal smile and dragging the sharp end of the crystal down her wrist. Hey, stop that! And I ran over and I grabbed it from her hand. Its fingers were clutching the crystal hard, and it turned, and the face smiled at me. No. I eventually pried the crystal out of her hand, finger by finger, and got close to its face again. I command you to get out of her. It closed its eyes. I am not afraid of you! Nothing happened. I opened up the eyelids and held them open with my fingers. I'm not fucking afraid of you. Oh, my God. Boom. She was back. 
sobbing again. This time around, I didn't turn away or give her anything we bought that day. After a few minutes, she was able to calm down enough to speak. It was so hot. I could kind of see what was happening, but I wasn't in control of my body. It was like I was chained up somewhere. It was so scary. Oh my gosh. Then, out of nowhere, she yelled, Ow! and grabbed the side (sighs) of her stomach. I think it was her right side above her hip bone, and she lifted up her shirt, and there was about an inch of blood. She wiped it away, but there was not a cut. Nothing. No pinprick, no slice, nothing. She screamed. Somehow, that was more daunting to me than the actual possession. The orb, the candlelight flickering itself, her possession, that could all be somewhat rationalized away. But the blood? Man, we were not crazy. This was demonic. She went into another semi-possessed state after that, but she was still lucid. I put her on the bed, and she was lying there, and then suddenly froze in place. She said she was paralyzed and felt like she was in hell and felt pinpricks all throughout her body like someone was doing voodoo on her. Oh, my God. At this point, I felt like I'd fought in a war. It was nearly 6 a.m., and she'd gone in and out of possession so many times I lost I lost count. I was exhausted and scared that she was going to die, and I kneeled down at her bedside, and I started praying furiously for anything good. It went something like, dear, anything good. (laughs) Jesus, God, Buddha, I don't care. Anything good. Please save us. Please get this thing out of her. And I mumbled stuff along those lines for a few minutes until I heard her speak. It's gone. I stood up, and she said, Jane, you're a healer. I see a white aura around you. We got in bed and watched TV until sunrise, both at a complete loss for words or understanding. The sun rose and we talked about it more, but that was the end of the night. The demon wasn't gone, though. It was biding its time. We had insane spiritual shit go on for the next eight months until we, my sister and I, she also saw Hannah get possessed, were able to get it gone for good. And when we did, we didn't tell her for a month and observed her to make sure it was all real. It was crazy how many little things she mentioned that pointed to her feeling its presence gone without her consciously knowing. Wow. The next eight months consisted of some of the following. More possession, sleep paralysis after we mocked the demon, sacred space rituals, meeting Archangel Michael, learning to make holy water, doing mass ghost passing on rituals, talking to angels over pendulums until that method stopped working. (laughs) A crow hitting Hannah in the head. What? What the heck? Watching crystals move around the ground with nothing moving them. Blonde hair appearing in an unused fire pit that we had just cleaned moments earlier. Blessing our local McDonald's. (laughs) And the demon... (laughs) And the demon eyes phenomena. Basically, in public, my sister, her boyfriend, Hannah, and I would all experience random people turn and bore their eyes into us in a demonic stare. What? The way to win was to stare back sometimes up to two full minutes that's horrifying <gasps> can you that's imagine? really horrifying because eye contact is the worst then the person would look confused shake their head and walk on it wasn't like some rando staring at you this was different what after we got rid of that demon nothing paranormal has ever happened to me again i kind of miss the excitement of those exorcist days now i am just a normal 21 year old front desk girl Girl, you Jane. do not want to be going back to those days. Let me tell you. No! I would much rather be a front desk girl. You have the story and you survived and that's all you need. You ne- like <laughs> you don't need you don't want to go back. Man, that's horrifying. Can you imagine being a McDonald's worker and they're coming in and blessing your McDonald's as teenagers. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Jeez, this is such an intense and how did it happen? Like, what initiated it? Where did this demon come from? I don't know where the... 
yeah, because and what's interesting is it was an orb. It was a floating orb that then absorbed into her. Right. They did say that they started to use to get into Wicca, but there are plenty of positive ways to use Wicca. So I wonder what exact exactly they did in their like candlelight ceremony right. or maybe previously to attract this sort of spirit. What steps went wrong? Also, like, is it even like things went wrong or is it just that a demon was waiting around for the perfect opportunity and it took it? Yeah, could have been that. that. I mean, that's what scares me the most about using these forms of methods of communication is that like you don't have control no and you don't know what you're getting yourself into so like you could have the best of intentions and you could be doing something really good or like you might have a good experience with it for the first few moments but then you don't know what's lingering you don't know what's waiting around and just like about to hook into you it makes me wonder too i'm like oh well people shouldn't try to learn on their own they should have someone to help guide them but then how do you know that you have the appropriate person guiding you and then it's not someone that's misleading you into something darker with like misuse of what you're doing right it kind of reminds me this is like such a far stretch but did you ever see the movie lion yeah oh my gosh what a beautiful true story but it kind of reminds me of when you when he meets that woman and you're so excited for him because it seems like he's being well taken care of Uh uh-huh but then it all turns yeah it's like how do you know that's the scariest thing is that you don't i'm so glad hannah's okay Oh my god, I know. I'm sure she Eight has months. I'm sure she has some lingering repercussions of that because being Right, and her friends are the ones that she had to lean on for that. She didn't come yeah. from a positive household that would be like, "Oh no, our dear Hannah's being possessed. We need to call everyone to come help her." Right. She she didn't have home to rely on. She had to be taken care of by her fellow 15-year-olds. And also like the fact that she jane was able to hopefully successfully exercise this demon i'm sure it's still out there in the world but like help her friend is incredible yeah to immediately be like i'm not afraid of you get out yeah also like to not call for help is scary and crazy i would i would i would call everyone oh me too you know we would marching right into every single every single church we do the scene from practical magic where you get all your friends everyone buys the like target candles white candles and stands in a circle and does it together yeah (laughs) man oh man all right what do you have okay this is from isabel and it's called for the night is dark and full of terrors hi guys i'm going to tell you about the time i had three sleep paralysis encounters in one week i've experienced sleep paralysis numerous times before but never this intense and never more than once a week and it scares me every time It happened on the second semester of my first year in college. I don't remember what days of the week they happened, so I'll just start with the first night. It was the usual, whether there was a shadow of an old lady standing beside my bed, and she just kept staring at me, and I couldn't do anything but stare right back. I had an overwhelming feeling of dread and being trapped, like I knew something horrible was going to happen to me. She kept on mumbling or chanting something, and the more she did, I don't know how, but more shadowy figures appeared. Their chanting kept getting louder and louder as they slowly kept getting closer to my face. Their chants were actually them telling me everything that I did wrong in life and all the sins I committed. It felt like an eternity before I finally woke up. I didn't think about it too much because that time I was stressed about my exams and maybe it was manifesting through my dreams. But the second night was a lot different. I dreamt that I woke up in my dream. I was laying with my back flat on the bed and that it was snowing in the room. I was freezing, but I couldn't move. Suddenly, a figure with horns and a goat head with red eyes, human upper body, and hooves for legs appeared directly above me. He was floating so uncomfortably close to me, his body parallel to mine. I knew it was the devil. 
My heart was beating so fast and I was so scared that he showed me two stone tablets, like the ones where the Ten Commandments were written. And instead of a commandment, it was a list of the name of demons. Let me tell you, I'm scared to even think about their names because I might attract some unwanted beings. So you can't imagine how I felt when the devil started reading these names to me so fast and in a voice so terrible that I literally wanted to cry. But then he started to tell me in a chill, chit-chatty manner that I should tell him the names of all the demons I could think of. And I just started naming demons. What? And I named a lot. I don't know how I knew so much because I knew in real life I didn't even know five. And the more I gave the mo- him the names, the more I had a good time. And I could tell he was watching me when I started laughing with him, even though it was still so cold. And then I woke up and I was really unsettled because I laughed with him. And I have a gut feeling that even though I couldn't remember the names after, the- after that, those demons were real. The third night was what scared me the most. It was like I could watch myself through a movie. Like I was out of my own body. I could see that I was sitting cross-legged on the bed with my back towards me. I was wearing a nightgown and my hair was covering most of my face. And I was mumbling something in a different language with a voice that wasn't mine. And I knew I was possessed. She, the possessed me, suddenly went quiet and slowly turned her, turned her head to look me straight in the eye and started laughing and talking in that other language again as she went stiff. And it was weird because even though I was watching her, I could feel a stiffness in my own body. And her voice grew louder and louder as she started levitating. And all I could do was stare. And then I woke up. This is the second time where I dreamt that I was possessed. But it's the first time where I started levitating. After that week, I got scared to go to sleep even though I badly needed it. I used to try to convince myself to think that maybe it was just because of the stress and transitioning into college and missing my old friends but I highly doubt that. I don't want to believe that maybe it was actually something evil taking advantage of that weak point in my life. I eventually bought a sleeping mask solely to avoid moments like this again, and I've been using it every night since. I refuse to sleep without it on. Also, something scary happened while I was typing that part about the possession. The lights in our living room flickered for about 10 seconds. Maybe something doesn't want me to share my experience. I don't know. It's almost midnight right now, and I'm the only one awake, so I guess I should probably sleep before anything else starts to happen. Anyway, thanks for reading, Isabel. Okay. Uh, I mean, can you imagine consciously having all of the names of demons just flowing out of your mouth and having no control over it and then laughing? With the devil. With the devil. Well, the reason I chose this is because it's like- like, we're having such a good time. It's just like the idea of sleep paralysis and demonic entities and the ability to take over you while you're sleeping and like- you're in such a vulnerable place while you're sleeping and that like i truly believe that this could happen that it could be real and i'm sorry isabel but like i'm sure you're fine and you're not possessed but like like especially that first night where she's sleeping and that there's the old hag woman who's calling upon other shadowy figures and they're all moving in closer and closer to her Mm -hmm. that feels so real it gives me anxiety to even think about it right now do you think she was the woman was calling all the other demons and that's how she knew all their names the next night and the words that they were saying were actually their name oh my god sabrina i think you just made the most excellent connection <laughs> probably that could be because why else would she <sighs> also do you think like the second night was like the the devil the devil is so scary but if you prove yourself to him you can become friends with him and he'll like bring you into his that's why you'll laugh with him 
The more demons you know, the better you become friends with the demon, with devil. But what is the point of that interaction? I don't know. Is it to gauge your fear or your reaction to him? Or maybe it's like if she hadn't been able to name all these demons, like he would have unleashed them on her. I don't know. Thank goodness it's not affecting her anymore. I know. So scary. That's really scary to go through. Oh my gosh. I think I'm just so like dreams in general, like, you know, I've said it many times. That's where I experience my things. And and I feel like there's such a fear for me that 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 side of the spiritual world has so much i mean all of it but like the access to demonic entities is so real for me in that mm-hmm. realm and like that one time i was like astral projecting and i literally had someone in my ear yell watch out and i like sprung awake and back into my body <sighs> like what was happening it's insane how many things are like out there to get you mm-hmm. how do you safely navigate the spiritual world when it's hard enough to navigate the physical world <laughs> so true i don't know man if you guys know you guys can send us an email if you've been possessed send us an email yeah it's two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and i just wanted to say thank you to eric foster at a fire digital for editing this episode episode 100 where we don't have to now listen to our voices back and edit it ourselves oh thank goodness thank you eric We also have a variety of ways to support the podcast, so if you haven't heard our spiel before, one such way is to rate and review on iTunes. It helps keep us in the top 200, and it helps other people find us. And another way to help people find us is by word of mouth. Tell everybody. Open your mouth and let the demons speak through you. Or, I mean, you tell your friends. (laughs) (laughs) What? What did I say? Um, Did you say merch and Patreon? No, but now you did. Now I can. We have merch, and you can rep us and wear things that say Most Haunted Podcast or just Two Girls, One Ghost, and people are like, what the heck's that? And you get an instant conversation starter. You're welcome. Uh, we also have Patreon if you want to support our podcast and help us produce more episodes and get more work done for you guys and put more time into the podcast. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.